Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. You can't Google it. Nope. You can't Google it. I'm going to be talking today to Phyllis Weiss-Hazaro. She's the foremost workplace multi-generational expert speaking with cross-generational voice, a cross-generational voice. She's a uniter. She brings the power of cross-generational conversation and collaboration to solve the urgent problems and nuances of attracting and retaining clients and employees of different generations, effective multi-generational teams, knowledge transfer, succession planning, and her newest book on generational challenge is, you guessed it, you can't Google it. The compelling case for cross-generational conversation at work. This is right up our alley here. She's the president of Practice Development Council, a business development and organizational effectiveness consultancy. And Phyllis is a speaker and blogger of intergenerational relations issues for Forbes, Next Avenue, Legal Executive Institute, iris.xyz, and LinkedIn Pulse and others. Dubbed the cross-generational voice, Phyllis works with organizational leadership and multi-generational teams focused both external and, exter- and internal stakeholder relationships to solve the increasingly urgent problems inherent in retaining the most desirable talent and clients. She leads cross-generational conversation day workshops, forums, and masterminds for professionals, knowledge workers, and university student and alumni communities. Phyllis is the author of You Can't Google It, in which she shares the insight and experiences that have shaped and been shaped by three decades of trailblazing in thought leadership, strategic consulting, facilitating, and coaching. So we're going to be talking with Phyllis today a little bit about that. But first, before I introduce you to Phyllis, I want to remind you that if you are looking at a potential of finding out whether or not you're ready to hire your next team member, I highly encourage you to go to bottleneck.online today to learn more about that. Uh, Bottleneck.online is a virtual assistant staffing agency, uh, full transparency. It's my company. Uh, But I wanted to invite you to check it out today. Go to bottleneck.online and learn about our six-step hiring formula, how we can help you understand when it's time to hire, what are some of the signs that you may be seeing uh, to, to help you with that, and then how to go about effectively hiring somebody that fits into your vision and your mission. Again, that's bottleneck.online. Go check it out. Without any further ado, thank you for listening to this episode of Culture Eat Strategy. Please welcome Phyllis Hasro. How are you doing, Phyllis? Doing very well, doing very well, and I was looking forward to our conversation, so yeah, and I have to say, I really love your voice. It's oh my gosh. inviting. 
You know, it really is. Well, thank you. We're always our own worst critics of our voices, right? <laughs> How we sound. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if we ever hear it correctly, but yes. Yeah. yeah, it's so strange. Like, no, it just occurred to me as I was sitting here. Aw, well, thank you. I remember back in the day, I would, you know, remember the old cassettes where you could record on them and you could talk on them and stuff. And boy, I'd play those back. I'm like, that's me? That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, thank you so much again, fellas, for uh, taking time out of your busy role. I know you have a lot of, a lot of important things you're doing. Uh, you're, you're talking or speaking at events. Um, and I just really appreciate you stopping by. I'm really interested to learn more about this multi-generational um, or cross-generational voice. And I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into this. And then what is the word that you invented? I've got a couple of those. We'll <laughs> talk about some of them. Um, I, they just pop into my head at times. Uh, you know, my, my evolution of going from, I have a master's in urban planning, and I did that for a little while, and thought that I was more business-oriented than a lot of the people in the field, and got very interested in marketing and communication. So I started my firm practice development council, actually, a few decades ago, and that was all about business development and marketing for professional firms. And I realized early on that why organizations of all kinds weren't more effective than they are is because of how people um, interacted with each other or didn't and how they communicated or, or didn't with each other. So I got involved in doing organizational effectiveness. And through that, some conflict resolution. And in about 1997, I realized that the young, younger people weren't getting the attention they needed because the senior people were too busy. So yeah. I started next generation programs in firms, mostly law firms and accounting firms at that time um, that, that I was working with. And part of what I was doing and it focused on their business development to begin with, and the younger people from mid-level partners and, and on down, was really, yeah, um, do you have any ideas for starting new practices? What help can you need? Um, how are you interacting and you know, doing business plans and so forth with, with senior management and ended up being a, a sort of intermediary between management and everybody else. Management usually thinking that they were articulating their expectations, but they were talking to each other. And if you ask everybody else, it's not exactly so clear. And so that was, you know, I guess, I didn't call it uniting at that time, but getting people at different levels and, and together. And I got fascinated by everything generational. So in about 2004, I decided that was going to be my primary focus. But since I come from the marketing end, a lot of it is 
external with external stakeholders like clients and customers and alumni and donors and all of that as well as your internal teams so i can never tell this in 24 or 25 words or less i wish i had a an epiphany so that it was a more dramatic story, but there's really an evolution from everything. I, I'm a person who is a pattern spotter and sees trends and things before other people do. So uh, that's, you know, why I've trailblazed in a few different areas. I, I absolutely love that, and thank you for sharing it. Uh, Uniter as is is again bringing the power of cross generational conversation collaboration to solve the urgent problems and nuances of attracting and retaining clients and employees of different generations. And it, one of, one of the one of the things I want to talk to you about too is maybe if you can elaborate on this. Um, oh, first, what's what's the new word you created? I want to, oh, okay. the one I the one I told you. Well, there are two. One of them is in my my book. You can't Google it. It really starts out with that, which is engagement, and I use that in in different ways. But again, it gets it means getting all the generations to understand each work. You know what's really going on and how can we use that to communicate and collaborate better. The the other word. Uh, that I had mentioned to you was collaborageism. And what that means is getting all the generations and people of different ages together to confront and combat ageism, mm. whether it's for older people, whether it's for younger ones, and the ones in the middle, because, well, first of all, we're, we're seeing that there are and there's ageism and lawsuits with people who are even in their 40s. Yep. And as I always say, even babies are getting older every day. So hmm. you're not going to be at the same age or the same position all of your life. And if it's not hitting you now, it may be later. So don't cast aspersions on anybody else. And try to understand things. So much of it is is really evil stereotypes that have no basis in reality, or is not so important. And the younger people face ageism as well, yep. because it's you know, well, you're so inexperienced. Who are you telling me how I should be doing things? Kind of thing. Who are you to to do that? So I. I think the only way we get rid of those stigmas and you know, very negative things that are taking negative energy is to get everybody together to fight it in all directions. I love that. Here's, here's something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. And um, knowing that I'm going to say this uh, maybe offensive, um, but, but I don't mean it to be, but I mean it to be as a point of discussion. So right now, there is a stigma around our youth, our, our younger generation, in that everything was given to them. They don't have to work for anything. And they complain if uh, work gets too hard, right? Are you familiar with this stereotype? 
Well, there certainly is, and I think most of it is misunderstandings and misinterpretations. But and, and clearly, there's always some people who are like that. But I don't. I, I you can't blanket a generation with that. You can't judge a book by the cover. Right. Or if you don't know why you are seeing the symptoms that you're seeing, you know, mean things like oh, they're walking around with earbuds all the time, and so that's rude and disrespectful. Well, sometimes it's because there are all these open workspaces and people need to be able to focus and some, some quiet. So it's not just that they want to hear their music, but it's really useful. Mm. Or, or people who are um, accused of, you know, not caring about uh, what time you come into work. Well, think about people who just came out of college and if you didn't have early classes, then you, you know, get up and show up whenever you want to. And I think that there isn't adequate orientation when people start to work and somehow in past decades and generations, people either picked it up by osmosis or there were fewer differences or their parents were talking about things more than, more than they are now. Um, but there are just a lot of things that aren't learned. And like it or not, it has to be on the employer to really put, expand the orientation that they do and repeat it because people either don't pay attention the first time or if you give them some time to establish bad habits and then six months later you start complaining, then whose fault is that? So a lot of it is just what people don't know and they're not learning. Mm. So, you know, and there, there are a lot of other examples that, I can give those are easy because they're symptoms that people complain about a lot. Yeah, it, it, you nailed it right on the head. I'm, and thank you for answering that question because there's so many preconceived notions. And after all, this podcast is about culture and it's mm -hmm. culture before strategy. Um, if you've ever heard any of the previous episodes, uh, you, the strategy is important, but culturally, Culture trumps strategy every single time, in my, in my opinion. I agree. And, and one of the, I think one of the biggest contributing factors that we see, because if you look at all the stats everywhere, it, there's such a high rate of turnover. I mean, our younger generation, our youth, they're, they're at a certain organization for a year or two, and then they're, they're off to greener pastures. Well, especially if they don't feel that they are being respected, that they're getting new opportunities, they want challenge. I mean, these, some, of, some of them are a little too impatient. But again, that's, they grew up in a culture of, con, or, or a society of constant change, and it's not slowing down. It definitely is not slowing down. But you know, and also I think one of the big things, you, you talk a lot about uniting. And I see a lot of stuff about collaboration, conversation, um, uh, uh, communication. These are all super critical aspects of providing a foundation, or in, in many ways, even in the professional world, a, a home. 
uh, of somewhere for people to call home, as long as they feel that, in my opinion, that they're they're being taken care of or they're being listened to or or are are not feeling scared of of sharing. Um, these are all, I think, huge things that so many people often overlook. And again, ageism either either way you look at it, young, old, in the middle, it doesn't matter. But as you say, this 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 uh, collaboragism, um, I, I love that term. I think that's, that's probably at the forefront, in my opinion, of why this occurs and relationships don't grow and last. And that's why people try to go find somewhere else. They've tried to find a, a place where they enjoy that challenges them. Absolutely. It's not about, you know, what kind of perks they get you know, and, and the, the fun things that there are in the work environment. It's, it's that they want change, you know, they've always been educated. And these are, you know, again, I have to uh, say that we're making some generalizations here because mm. everybody hasn't gone to college. Some people uh, have a better socioeconomic situation than others. And, and they are not you know, privileged to enjoy or have the latitude with, with some of these things. But, you know, essentially we're talking about people in the workplace who, who have been educated. Um, there, there are just so many differences that can uh, influence who they who they are and how they behave and their attitudes. Everything is not a generational issue. I mean, it's very important to know differences and similarities about generations and how that came to be, the formational influences. But it also um, can be core per, um, personal behavioral style. It can be where you are in the hierarchy. Two people who were born on the same day, but one is the manager and the other one is on, on the team or you know, in a different kind of position may have different attitudes about things and behavior in different ways because that's, that's part of their role. You may have come from a very religious or conservative family or not or where you have come, where you were brought up geographically. We have a lot of different influences. And it's very important for people to ask the question why all the time. Why, what is the reason behind the behaviors that we're seeing and the attitudes? And let's talk about it if it's bothering you. You know, mm. it's just really in, important. And you said something before about um, sharing in a non-threatening environment. That mm. is so important to create that non-threatening environment and a feeling of belonging. We have so many uh, different personal identities now. I mean, you know, where some of them were always there, but are surfaced more, and people are much, um, much more concerned about being respected for all these things. You know, we 
going to have white males as the minority soon, not too long off. People have multiple personal identities. You know, it's not just which gender you are. There are many of those and colors and sexual orientations and whether you're disabled or, or not. I mean, there are just many, many things. And age and generation is really the universal. Everybody has an age. And I think that it's really the missing piece uh, when diversity and inclusion is, is talked about most of the time. Because the generational differences really inform and influence the attitudes and behaviors about all the other diversity factors. And if you don't realize that in this intersectionality sort of buzzword these days, you're missing understanding what it's all about. Right, right. It, you know, it's, it gets, you know, it takes a lot to take on a category like this. Uh, it really does, because what you do and what you say and how you say it and the way that it's conveyed and the way it's received by others has such an impact on them. How are you able to sh- share what you've learned over this time uh, in a way that it may not be what people hear, but it may be what they need to hear. How do you convey that in such a way to come off? Hey, you know, in a sense, you're telling them what you're doing, but you're telling them what to, to do or how to do it in a way that is non-confrontational. Yeah, I think that it's very important to appear to be very open. I am. That's, you know, the person that I am. If you're asking me, if you're saying it generally, um, I think I mean, one of the things that I, that I do when, you know, when you mentioned the um, sharing in a non-threatening environment is really facilitating these discussions. People are, you know, there's so much retreating into different tribes and not really listening and not sharing or being afraid to say things now. So you have to set up an an environment that's saying, we really want to give you a voice. We want to hear things. We want to, you know, and, and discuss topics that are on people's minds and facilitate them in a way that you make sure that everybody gets to express their opinion, that the ground rules are not that you start dumping on somebody or yelling at them and trying to shut them down. And this has to happen from the employers who are supporting these things. Mm. And, you know, some of them just don't want to give their employees, whatever level, any, the time to reflect on what's going on and what they're thinking and doing. Awareness is so much, is, is very, very important. And, you know, when I say, well, you know, if we do a cross-generational conversation, they will chop an event. If not a whole day, bless you, you need, um, 
you know, at least a half, half a day. And uh, I, I heard from one Fortune 500 company from the HR people who were loving the idea, but then said, well, we never let people out for more than an hour, you know, to, to come to something. And you've got to give people time. If you have these discussions, you're avoiding a lot of other problems later on. Oh, my gosh. Doing your orientation right. People have to know what, what is expected of them. They have to share. Here's the best way to work with me. I have a, a tool for that, which I've been calling um, user's manual, but I want to think of a jazzier name than that. <laughs> but, you know, coming up with on a page, put down how, um, yeah, the th- how this, so there's a bunch of questions, obviously. But, yeah. You know, this is how you can get the best work out of me, how, how you can get my attention, what motivates me. And that kind of thing. And then share it with the other person or persons that you're working with. It gives them an idea. Otherwise, you have to work with somebody for quite a while to figure it out yourself. It just Mm -hmm. saves a lot of time. And maybe you're misinterpreting what you're seeing. So, you know, that's not what it's about. You've got to challenge your assumptions and have this exchange and as yeah, i was I, saying to you before we got to revive the art of conversation because there are a lot of people who never learned it or because everybody is doing things so much electronically they've forgotten how and this is this what you're going to learn from you can't google it yeah a lot of that is i deal with 10 essential success calling them essential, success skills um, that you cannot learn, acquire, or practice by going out on the internet, but that it has to happen through conversations and relationships that you develop with people at work. And it looks at these 10, I can rattle them off with what they are, at least a few of them, from the standpoint of five different generations. And I interviewed two or three people on multi-generational teams across a wide range of industries about cross-generational conversation. Mm. So we're talking about things like trust and empathy and perspective. Perspective is a very important one I have to treat that one early on it's a hard thing to learn if you haven't been born around the same time and lived in the same kind of world unless you hear it from people and as i said people are so busy you're not parents and children aren't talking about a lot of anymore like they used to Relevance. Everybody wants to be relevant and stay relevant. It's really important and it's very hard to feel confident if you don't feel that you're, that you're relevant. You know, otherwise, it's very superficial. Um, conversation. Transition fluidity is another one. And what that means, that's about succession planning and knowledge transfer. And we've got to do that. And it's not just the 
the knowledge that you transfer into a computer so somebody can look it up. But it's also about personal styles, about relationships with clients and customers and other people that you, you work with. Things about people, it's the human factors of all of this. Mm. And in succession planning to take into account what younger people would like to see as leaders. Yep. You know, what, what is important in terms of traits and skills. And curiosity is another one I love because I think that I'm infinitely curious. Uh, well, curiosity, is, curiosity, in my opinion, is fun. Yeah, it, it is. And you cannot be a good business developer or networker if you're not curious about people and know how to ask questions. Yep. It is all about relationships. Hey, you, every aspect about it, about cross-generation conversation is about relationships. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. Yeah, and we have, we have a society where there's so much isolation now and, and mm. loneliness. And there's isolation and siloed by whether it's ages or whatever other tribe you're, you're thinking about. But this wow. loneliness plague is another thing. We've got to get over that. I mean, we have to solve the problem. It's not like, just get over, don't be lonely. You know? yep. We've got to prevent the things from happening in the first place that make people feel that way. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, we, we, I, I want to respect your time today. Um, and this has been a, an, an amazing conversation. And I love uh, what we've been talking about. And you know what? No one's ever talked about uh, the cross-generational conversation before here on the show. So this is a first. This is legendary. So thank you so much, Phyllis. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've loved it. And um, I would be very happy to do it again. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. The conversation. <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we wrap up our conversation today? Well, I do have some offers and a challenge for your listeners. Awesome. Uh, I hope they'll take me up on the challenge, which would be to develop comfort with cross-generational conversation. And I suggest that you select three of your teammates or colleagues or clients of different generations to reach out with curiosity and get to know them better and try to move the needle in your relationship. So whether it's pretty good to begin with or it's not so good, take the risk and reach out and try to get to know them as people and how you can work better together. And I'm writing this down. <laughs> okay, so you're gonna do it? You're gonna take my challenge? I am. Great, great. And um, the free offers for anyone listening is uh, a free chapter, you can't Google it, uh, which you can get by going to youcan'tgoogleit.com uh, free hyphen offer, I believe. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes, right? Okay. And um, so there will be one of those. And there also are uh, some other checklists that, that I have on, on the website as free offers. One of them 
is about older people reporting to younger ones and how that relationship can can go better and, and so forth. But I'm happy to share all of those things. Um, I love getting questions and having conversations, so I encourage people to contact me. And you'll have my information on, on I will. So, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. So the challenge uh, today, uh, is to make sure that I wrote this down correctly, and Phyllis, please correct me if I'm wrong, but the challenge, and I'm going to participate in this, I, I recommend you do too, select three of your colleagues of different ages and try to get them to, try to get to know them better and try to get to know them as people and, and try to uh, find different ways to communicate with them. What makes them tick? What do they like to do? Um, how you might be able to serve them better. Would, would this be right, Phyllis, in about accepting your challenge, those roundabout ways? Absolutely. Great job, Jane. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. I absolutely love it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> great. great. <laughs> well, um, we're getting close to wrap up here. Um, anything else before we go? Um, just, I guess, remember collect collaborationism, remember engagement, and all the generations are important, not just all the focus on the millennials and the boomers or whatever, but all of them have their pluses and maybe some minuses when none of us perfect, but they are all important contributors to everything you do in work and life. Yeah, and remember, even babies are getting older yeah. every day, right? Some <laughs> parents are glad they'll sleep through the night. <laughs> well, hang on the line one quick second. Um, Phyllis, let me just wrap up the conversation here. Um, again, thank you so much for taking yeah. your time. Thank uh, you so much for a great conversation. I so enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, uh, you heard it here. This is my name is Jamie J. And behalf on behalf of Phyllis Weiss Hazaro, uh, I'm super excited to share this episode with you. Uh, I hope you were able to take some notes. The good thing about uh, podcasts in this episode is you can replay it, you can rewind it, and listen to it again. Uh, there's been another episode of Culture Eat Strategy with me, your host Jamie J. And I do have a big favor to ask of you. Uh, first of all, I'd love to hear if you're going to take Phyllis's challenge. Uh, let me know. Let Phyllis know. Reach out. All the information for her will be in the show notes. The second thing is, what do you think about the episode? Please let me know by going to iTunes and uh, leaving a rating review there. Uh, if you liked it, leave me a five-star rating and tell me why. If you didn't like it, leave a one-star, two-star, three-star, four-star rating. It doesn't matter. Why? Because I want to know honestly, in full transparency, how you felt about this. And I can only get better and ask better questions if you help give me some constructive criticism. I'm a big fan of that. So go check us out on iTunes. Uh, that's Culture Eats Strategy forward slash. Uh, it's actually culture.bottleneck.online forward slash iTunes. Uh, that'll take you directly to iTunes, or you can just go to iTunes and search us, Culture Eat Strategy. Thanks so much for tuning in. Phyllis, thank you again for uh, your time today. Really appreciate that. No, I was delighted. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks so much. Make it a fantastic day and week.